0: Well, I am thankful to be here with you all tonight, and I'm thankful to be in the presence of God. To, um, while you're being seated, I wanna go ahead and, di- well, before we do that, before we do that, I have right here, we have a hayride, and it is coming up shortly. And so, um, what date is the hayride? Does somebody have it, is it October 2nd? October 2nd at Santa's Woods. And we need to get a count of everyone that's going. Um, and Jeremy and Courtney are out. So if you could get with Sister Linda right over here and Brother Sal, um, otherwise known as my mom and dad. So you can re- refer to them either way. If you can get with them and give them a count, um, we would like to get that as soon as possible. So we'd appreciate that. And if you've ever been to the Hayride, how many has been to the Hayride? Come on, I know we've got a lot of hands out there. It's a, one of the biggest church events that gets the most people out to it, besides church, besides church. Um, well, at this time, um, if we could dismiss our young people, the Sunday school kids can go that way, and then our youth get to be with Bishop tonight, so head on out with Bishop. Um, I would ask you to remember Brother Jeremy and Sister Courtney in your prayers. They've gone through a lot of loss. As we know on Sunday, um, Jeremy lost his dad. And uh, just keep praying for them, encouraging them, uh, being there with them, for them. Um, they won't be back till the 25th, but if you could drop them a note and greet them when they're here and just, uh, if you've been through a loss of somebody close to you and then of a parent, you know what it's like. Um, well, this month, or th- this month, we're uh, covering uh, Judges and Ruth and Esther, and I would like to turn over to the book of Esther. The book of Esther. And I'd like to kick off with a verse, but um, I think we'll go ahead and read the the famous verse. Um, Esther chapter 4, verse 16, and it says, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Sushan, and fast ye be- And fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us tonight. God, speak into our lives. Change us, Lord. We want to be more like you. We want to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The book of Esther. I like this book. I've preached out of it or tied into it a couple times. Um, It's a a story centered around a a feast that the Jews celebrate called Purim. Does anybody know what Purim is? Got one back here. Um, It means like by chance or to cast lots. It's kind of a gambling term in my mind. I, I think of gambling. And in the story of the book of Esther... Um, Haman is the evil dude so we have the main characters we have Esther we have Mordecai kind of off to the side he thinks he's important but we have Xerxes um, Ahasuerus is how he's listed here in the book of Esther but Ahasuerus or Xerxes same guy um, so we have Xerxes Esther Mordecai and the evil Haman and then we have all of the Jews and so we, we have our story as it lays out and um, At the beginning of the story, we have uh, the king, Xerxes, and he has his wife Vashti. And he has all of his rulers and everyone's into the um, palace. And they're having a big party and he's putting all his might and power on display. And he decides that he's going to have his wife in. And she's going to dance and put on her display before all of his rulers and leaders. And she says, I'm not having a part of that. You're not doing that to me. And every one of you might agree. Except for the most powerful man in the world is now put to shame in front of all the powerful people that he's put in positions. And his wife says, I'm not doing what you say. I'm not going to do that. And he's like, I cannot have this. No matter how ridiculous his order is, no matter how crazy it is, no matter how demeaning, he's like, I cannot have this. And so he puts her out and he's done with her, and he needs a new wife. And he goes through a process. It actually lasts about four years. He went off to battle, fought some wars. And he's there and he says, we're going to have a project here. We're going to bring in all the fair young maidens, and, and they're going to come before me, and I'm going to pick a wife." His advisors talk to him about it. And so he gets himself, and, and one day Esther comes before Esther. Esther, well, we don't know who she's the daughter of. We know we know that she's raised by Mordecai. Raised by Mordecai. Mordecai was her cousin. And she was the daughter of Mordecai's uncle. And Mordecai took care of her. We also can know, before I, I fail to mention it, that Esther and Mordecai were part of a large group of Jewish people, a Jewish nation... Israel and Judah that had been taken captive and hauled off first by the Assyrians and then the Medes and the Persians took over and and now we have Xerxes in charge and they're in bondage. They don't have their own nation. They don't have their own home. They can't go to their temple. They can't worship. They are a people that are completely separated from everything they would have called the blessings of God and they are in a foreign nation and you say well well, they're around the palace and at the end of the story you see she's queen and you see that, that Mordecai is this most powerful man that's under the king. And, and you, you would look at this situation and you think, wow, that, that's got to be good. Or you can look at it and say, my God couldn't keep me. Instead, the most powerful king, the most powerful man in the, the world has authority and control over me and I have to do his bidding and I'm under him. You can look at that either way. It's we're going to talk about that here in a little minute or a little bit but to to kind of bring this story quickly wrap it up to a close so we we have the king we have Esther we have Mordecai and and the evil Haman and so now Esther she gets selected to be queen and and as she's queen Haman gets to be, to be put in charge right underneath the king and as he goes out about his duties every day and we'd leave the palace and go through the gates there's Mordecai ...who's the one who raised the queen. Haman does not know this. But Mordecai is at the gate... ...and he will not bow to Haman... ...like everyone else does when they come through. He will not bow. And Haman says, I can't have this. And when he learns and he's told that this guy is a Jew... ...he says, I'm going to wipe out the Jews. He makes this decision and he goes about with a plan he works it out to sell it to the king that this, these people won't just be obedient to him. And, and, and so the king says, well, whatever you need to do, and, and he works it out, and he's going to kill the Jews. And that's when Esther is, Mordecai comes and says, you have to do something about this. So she goes before the king, not because she was invited. And the rule was, if you weren't invited and the king didn't extend his scepter, you would be dead. But she goes and she says, fast for me and if I perish I perish well she goes before the king she invites him to dinner she invites Haman to dinner they do this a few times and then she reveals to him Haman wants to kill me in that moment they come in and they say the gallows Haman has prepared for Mordecai are here and the king says hang Haman on it and then Mordecai gets put in charge Esther's there. The king issues a decree. All the Jews get to defend themselves. They go and they fight against the people who wanted to kill them. And they wipe them out. And Mordecai's, or Haman's dead. And his children are dead. And it's a great story. It's a great story. So that is a very short version of the book of Esther. The book of Esther. But there's some points that I want to delve into. And that I want to bring out. First off. The story centers around Haman wanting to kill the Jews and this idea of Purim. Purim, I told you, was a thing of chance or a lottery, a gambling thing. And, and Haman was like, okay, when are we going to wipe them out? Ah, let's flip the coin. Let's draw lots. Let's, let's decide by chance what day that'll be. And it was an indicative thing of uh, um, on a broader scale of By chance is when your life is going to end. We're going to pick the date by flipping for it. You say, what does that matter? Well, either God is in control of your life, and he's in charge, or you are subject to the whims of life and nature and whatever people would bring your way and whatever the enemy would bring. The devil would like to come into your life and say, you have no control. You have no say in the matter. You can't do anything about it. Chance has its way, not God. Uh, um, Somebody else is going to be able to have the say over you. Your sickness is going to have its way. Uh, uh, um, Whether you have your job or not, that's that's not anything you can control. Somebody's a jerk to you, they're having the say over your life. Haman's case, he's like, (laughs) we've decided your fate by gambling it away. This is how we're going to do it. But the story of Esther, it's a story of faith, not chance. Faith, not chance. I've titled tonight the, the first step of faith. And if you've read the book of Esther, you're thinking faith. When I read the book of Esther, I don't see the word God even in there. How can we be talking about faith and, and faith in God and, and yet I don't see it anywhere in here? Well, before we hit on all those points, I do want to tell you, your life isn't up to chance. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your, unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hear me. Your life is not by accident. Your life is not by chance. When you order your life to follow God, to obey Him, when you put your, your ways into His hands, when you trust Him, He will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. I know life is going to happen. I know that it's going to rain and it's going to storm. But there's something special about the fact that when I say, God, I have a problem. And I bring it to Him tonight. Liam, he has a little swelling on his neck. I don't know what it's from. I'd ask you to pray for him. And we, we went to the doctor and we, um, we may go back to the doctor. I, we'll see how it goes. But the one thing we told him and we prayed with him is, God, this is yours. And you're in God's hands. No matter what happens, you're in God's hands. So Esther, you would say, well, where, where in the book of Esther is all of this? I see right off the top. I see both with Esther and Mordecai, and not just them, but I see with Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. All these people had been taken captive. They had been drug away to a strange land. They, they were, uh, when you take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and you take Daniel, they had been put in the king's palace, They had been told, we're going to train you in our ways. And yet, what did they continue to do? They continued to live their life the way God would want them to live it. They continued to not compromise belief. You see, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow. You see that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they, uh, chose not to eat all of the king's meat. Instead, they said, let us eat pulse, let us eat vegetables. They made decisions that even though we're in a strange land, even though we don't have our property anymore, even though we don't have our church to go to, even though we don't have um, all of our neighbors and all of our friends, I don't even have my parents, uh, I'm still going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm still going to take a stand when I need to take a stand. When I need to take a stand. Mordecai, why wouldn't he bow? Because you only bow before God. And so when you you say, well, where's God in this story? And yet you see Mordecai in his stand that he took. He didn't preach there on the corner at the gate. But as Haman would make his way through, he would not bow. When people came over and said, but Mordecai, you're at the place of business. You know who he is? Just bow I won't do it I am not gonna bow I am not gonna bow and and he had Esther there and and Esther when she uh, um, was in the palace there he came to her and he said hey hey we have a situation I know the king doesn't know that you're one of us I know that he doesn't know your background or your history but hear me you have got to take a stand for this people Oh, you can see right there in her actions when she says, okay, my life might be lost. If I perish, I perish. But I'm going to go ahead and take a stand. These are people that by their lifestyle set their, their decisions and their choices above what the rulers that had, had taken them into bondage set their choices and lifestyles about what they would have demanded. And that's what we need to do. So, when I look at this, I look at Esther. Esther didn't have parents, right? She's raised by her cousin. She's a stranger in a strange land. She doesn't have a home, she doesn't have property, she doesn't have her temple, she doesn't have the Jerusalem. Why? Why would she Why would she want to take this stand? Esther and Mordecai, they're actually of the tribe of Benjamin. So not only are they not in the land where God was, their God was supposed to keep them and protect them, but they made a decision to keep on doing the right thing. But when you look, you see that they're of the tribe of Benjamin. Not just of the tribe of Benjamin, but when you go and look into the, the book of Samuel and... And you see David when he's on the run, and you see—let uh, uh, me find my my little my place here. Um. But you see when when Daniel's on the run, that there's a man that comes out, Shimei. Shimei comes out and he begins to throw stones and he begins to curse David. This guy right here, he's in the lineage of Mordecai and Esther. And before him was Saul, the son of Kish. So you have Saul. And Saul refused to kill off the Amalekites like he was instructed. And and, and he was offering up sacrifices with these animals. And and Samuel had to come to him and he had to tell him, the Lord doesn't delight in, in burnt offerings, but he delights in obedience. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. This is the lineage of Esther and Mordecai. In their lineage is the kingship that was taken away. And Judah received the kingship. David did. In their lineage is the man who threw stones and cursed David. But David refused to kill him even though he was advised to. Which I think is important. Because if he had been killed, where would you have had Esther and Mordecai? And yet, they're standing here and, and the Jewish people, the word Jew at this time really referred to the people of Judah... And not to the people of Benjamin. Today we refer to them all as Jews. But before this point in time, the Jews were of Judah. And, and the people of Benjamin, I, I don't know what they'd have called them the Benjaminites, the Ephraimites, um, and uh, uh, the Gadites, you know, of the, your different tribes. But yet when the decree went out, when, when Haman was de- um, de- declared to be a Jew, and when Esther, when he came to her and said, hey, you know what, they're gonna get you too, she didn't say, well, hold on a second. I come from the lineage of Saul, not David. I'm not of this Jewish people. I'm, I'm a Benjaminite. She didn't do that. Instead, you see that they didn't compromise. They held true. Her family tree. Some of you come from family trees that people did things wrong. People didn't get everything right. Sometimes some people in your family committed some crimes... Some pretty big crimes. Um, I have a few rolling through in my mind right now out of my family. I've had some people in prison. I've had some people in prison that I'm like, yeah, you probably should stay in prison. And uh, maybe you have some too. I kind of think probably you do. Um, you, you have those that that's that cousin, and you're like, I don't really want to admit that that person's my cousin. Do you see how they treat the rest of the family? You maybe had a father or a grandfather or a great grandfather or a grandmother who, who you don't you don't want to know those people. You, you wish they were in the past. And right now, on a very serious note, I'm thinking I made a trip to Germany this uh, couple years ago. I guess now it feels like it was last year, but a couple years ago. And I was talking to them, and you know they had the story of the Holocaust. And what the one guy mentioned to me is he said people don't really even like to talk about that. Why? Because there was great tragedy that went on that was done by their own family members. It's in their lineage. So in the lineage of Esther and Mordecai, you have Saul who had the kingship jerked away from him. And he refused to kill out the Amalekites. You know who Haman is? He's an Amalekite. He's an Amalekite. But yet Mordecai is standing there and he says, I won't bow. And Esther, she's there and she says, if I perish... I perish. I'm going to do the right thing. Maybe Shimei didn't do the right thing. Maybe Saul didn't do the right thing. But now it's my time. And it doesn't really matter who my ancestry was. It doesn't matter what my bloodline was. What matters right now is if I am going to do the right thing when I'm faced with a choice and with a decision. Yes, you can either choose to sell out. You can either choose to, 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 or to live for God. It's your choice. So don't let your family tree decide your future. The calling of God and the hand of God is on your life. And if you will trust in Him, He will direct your path. He will direct your path. So, as I hit on the Amalekites there, I want to hit on that your decisions matter. Your decisions matter. Because if, if Saul had killed off the Amalekites, obedience is better than sacrifice. If Saul that day had listened to the voice of the preacher, and the preacher said, you know what you need to do? You need to take care of Agag. You need to take care of the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? They were a people that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt you see some folks that come by and they get on the heels of them and they begin to attack. And so you have this this march of a million people and in the back you have some stragglers and they're kind of slow and and they can't quite move along as fast. And you have some Amlekites back there. I'm going to take that one off. I'm going to take this one off. It's the enemy that comes along and he pokes you in the side and and, and he's he's making accusations at you and he's he's getting you right there. You're like, I'm progressing in life. Why is something catching me in the heel? It's the Amalekites. The Amalekites in the book of Judges, you see, would join others in battle and and so people would come to attack and the Amalekites are like, oh, here's my opportunity. I'm going to get in on this. I'm going to attack you also. I'm going to be that one. The Jewish people will look at him as Satan. The one that keeps coming back and getting me and trying to take me down and when I'm down, trying to get at me. That's why you have Haman, or if you could think of him as the devil making his way out there and, and you have Mordecai and he's there before the gate. And he's like, you know, we've been taken into bondage and we don't have our homeland and we don't have, our, we don't have Jerusalem. We don't have the temple. And, and all I am trying to do is live my life and this man wants to make me compromise and bow. You have Esther who's like, wow, I can't believe I made it into the king's house. I can't believe I made it here. And then we have the devil that comes along and says, oh, I got you now. Your life isn't what you think it is. And and you thought that you had finally made it. But I'm here and I can destroy everything if I want to. Samlachites. And Samuel had told Saul, you need to take care of it. Church, there are things in your life that if you don't take care of them, then you're leaving it up to your children to take care of. it is important that you work out your problems. Maybe your mom didn't work them out or your grandmother didn't work them out or, or, or your, somebody in your lineage didn't take the steps they needed to take. You might have had a lot of nasty fighting in your home. Maybe your parents are one of those that threw pots and pans. I, I don't know what your home life was like. Don't continue that in your marriage. Don't. don't. Because you're setting an example for your kids. You know, maybe, uh, maybe guys, your dad was into pornography, and you. So you think, hey, that's okay. You think I, I come up with these examples by accident? No, as I tell you this, it flashes through my mind of a young man that thought it's okay for me to live this way because my dad lived that way, and well, he never overcame. So I got to figure out that it must be okay with God. No. Instead of trying to okay the things that your parents or your ancestry did. Instead of, even if you're 85 years old, say, you know what? I'm going to do something about it now. I'm not going to stuff it under the rug. I'm I'm not going to hide it in the back of the closet. Somebody has to deal with the Amalekite. And it's going to be me. The book of Esther has some irony in it. God's great. Because just as that old devil, Haman, decides he's got this and and everything's prepared, the king comes in and says, hey, I was reading, you know what, I couldn't sleep. and There was a guy who discovered a plot for my life and saved me, and I don't believe we did anything. So he goes to Haman, he says, what would you do to the guy who's pleased you? And Haman's like, oh man, I would uh, put him in your... Your chariot, And I'd parade him through the city and I would make these declarations. He's like, oh, it's got to be me. He's like, yeah, I want you to do that for Mordecai. And you lead the way. Well, that's, that's the guy that I was going to kill. You know what that is right there? That's your life. When the devil comes along and he says, oh, I got you now. And then God takes all of his... The things he's done to destroy you. And he turns it into his glory. And he blesses you through the problem. So always trust in God. Because when you commit your life to God, God will always take it and he'll turn it. The enemy can't do do an evil work against you unless God's like, you know what? We're going to let this go this way because I'm going to use it to either teach you something, to bring some glory out of it. I am going to do a work. The Old Testament's replete with these stories. Time and again, that people struggled and they doubted and they wondered, "Where is it? At? God at in this? What are we gonna do?" They're in that spot like Esther, where she says, "If I perish, I perish. I perish. I perish." Take care of your problem. Take care of your situation. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. I've talked to you about. I will not bow. We've hit on that tonight. And so, as my title says, the first step of faith. And the first step of faith is where Esther said here, Mordecai, I'd come to her. You know what Mordecai told her? He said, "Hey, God, there's going to be a way. There's going to be deliverance. If you don't do it, you're going to die." Your family will die, but deliverance will happen. He reached back into an Old Testament command. And it was a, it was a command of um, if a lady came along or a daughter, it would be this case, we could take, take my daughter Avery it'd be a good example. If she made a vow to God and I was in the Old Testament and, and, and she came and she told me about it, and I said, hmm, that's, a, that's a nice vow. And I didn't say to her, you can keep the vow, or no, don't do the vow. If I said you can keep the vow, then I was approving of it. She was to follow it. If I said, no, you can't keep that vow, I was ultimately in charge. And no, she couldn't keep it. Um, If she had made a vow and then she went off to get married and her new husband said, you can keep the vow, then she could keep it. If he said, no, you can't keep it, she can't. But there's one other spot in there. And if it would be myself as her dad or when she got married or her husband, if you said nothing at all you were approving of the vow. And if Esther made the decision to say nothing at all, Mordecai was saying, you know that commandment, I'm reaching back to it, that was given to the dad or to the new husband? Well, you're not a dad and you're not a husband, you're a queen. And you're not in charge of the kingdom. Xerxes is. But you know what? You really have to do something about this. Because if you... Stay silent. You are complicit. If you don't say anything about this at all, you're giving your silent approval. You cannot stand on the sidelines. There's a crisis at hand, and you have to do something about it, Esther. You have to go before the king. You have to tell him about the problem. Oh, church, hear me. You can't stay silent about lost and dying souls. You can't stay silent about a nation that's falling into chaos and sin. Oh, so where do I lift my voice up at? There's a couple ways that you do this. One, you've got to go before the king. And who is the king? It's King Jesus. It's not the president of the United States. Oh, but you need to get down before Jesus. And he's going to go ahead and say, oh, my child. You don't have to worry about him not extending the scepter. He's already given you an open door into his throne room. But when you go in there and you say, God, look at the condition of this people. Look at what old that devil, that Haman has said. Look at the accusations that he's made. We cannot stay silent. Something has to happen here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what's the other way that you cannot stay silent? You can't, you, in your actions... You can't go ahead and participate. Oh, Mordecai, you can't bow. I don't care what everybody else is doing. You know why he got in that spot in the first place? Because he wouldn't bow. But the God that you made a decision, I'm not going to bow because I serve him, is the same God when the devil goes ahead and he comes after you that says I'm going to keep you through the problem and I'm going to take you through To the promise. You can trust him. Let's give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you cannot stay silent. You cannot stay silent. So this first step of faith. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Back to what I said at the beginning of the, the message tonight. It's okay, well, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. What, where's God in all this? I don't see them saying the word God right here. I see it in their actions. I get that, Lucas. I see that there. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh, cometh. In the ESV, it says, For whosoever would draw near to God, and in the Berean, it said, Anyone who approaches him. Approaching God isn't just going to prayer, approaching God is saying, You know what? I won't bow. Approaching God as being in a strange land when you don't have your homeland, when, like Esther, which I'm amazed by, you don't even have your parents. And you either have to make a decision that I am just going to live how I want to live. I don't really care about life, and it's just all about me, and why should I worry about this Jewish people? Why should I keep myself? And why should I listen to Mordecai? You know, when she went to to go before the king, if he had not selected her, she was going to be put in a house with a bunch of women and be a widow the rest of her life. You say, wow, it would be great to be the wife of the king. I'd be the queen. Or everyone else out there lives in this house over here, and yeah, you're taken care of, but you have no family. You have no children. You carry on no lineage. So for the rest of your days, you live without purpose. Without purpose. And that's really hard in life. You can have all the things in life, but you begin to feel kind of down and despondent when you don't really have anything else but just eat, go see a movie. If mm-hmm. you file my nails, wow, look at those clothes. Life begins to not carry so much, em- it begins to carry a lot of emptiness and not so much meaning. But that first step is my decision, my choice. He that cometh to God. I know it says must believe that he is, but there's that first step of I'm going to do that. You know when your faith first showed up? When, when you said, you know what? I'm going to continue to live holy. I am going to continue to live holy When my friends around me said, why do you even do that? I'm going to continue to not cuss, even though that's the language I hear. And frankly, I feel very angry right now. I am not going to lash out and hit that person or rip them apart, even though that's what I want to do. I'm not going to watch that movie, even though I think it would be great. That is the first coming God it's the it's the same what am i going to do with today not just oh no the world fell down around me let me come running to him yes if you've wandered away from god and your world fell apart please come running back to him but making your life that first step being i'm not going to compromise i'm not going to bow And when it's time to take a stand, I'm going to take that step and say, I've got to say something about this. I've got to do something about this. I can't participate. You know, you you might have, we've seen it when we were in school, but you also have it in the workplace. There's this this individual, I'm going to point him over here so that way nobody thinks I'm picking on them. This person, everyone thinks is weird. Why? Because they probably are weird. (laughs) Right? And so people are like, Avoid that person. Well, don't you think that person doesn't know that everybody avoided them? Don't you think that they don't feel that everyone isolates them and puts them in a box? So what do you do when you're with all the people and you've been talking, and then you go, hey, uh, uh," and they're like, oh, please don't go talk to him. Don't go talk to her. No, 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 no. They're looking at you in the way you act the way you treat people, they notice it. They notice it. I used to uh, drive the bus on Sundays and go in on Saturdays to the homeless shelter. Monday through Friday, I used to walk with my coworkers. And as I would walk downtown, a lot of people would come running up to me. Oh, hey, Lucas! Brother Lucas! None of my coworkers call me brother, okay? Just saying, they're like, brother? And I would have to, I'd have to say in my mind, right at this moment, this person who's at the bottom of their life and maybe hasn't had a bath and I don't know how long is right here. And am I going to talk to them and treat them exactly the same way as my boss? And, and so you're thinking, well, he's bragging on himself. No, this, these thoughts would immediately run through my mind. And I would be like, hold on, boss, I have somebody I need to catch up with. They come to church with me. And uh, I'll I'll catch you back at the office in a minute. Why? Because in that moment I had to make a decision. Are they the same person that I treated like a full, equal human being when nobody was around? Am I going to do it when everyone's around? You cannot change your stand no matter what what the circumstance. You have to be the same. Nobody wants me to visit with you right here. And Man, Lucas, man, he, he loves me. He's great. And then when I see you someplace out in public or or wow, somebody that, that seems like they must be extra important and you come to say hi to me. I'm like, uh, please, please go away right now. Could you, could you stay in the back room? You know, that, you're like, wait, who's Lucas anyways? I, I thought he was my friend. I thought, he, I thought he loved me. I thought he cared about me. So that first step is how you're going to live or it's that coming to God because obedience is better than sacrifice. Your first step is obeying the word of God oh and so now that gets us to Mordecai and to Esther why it gets us to the three Hebrew children when they wouldn't bow when, when the trumpets blew what did they say or oh, our God is able but if not we will not bow that's my first step of faith my first step of faith is when I face crisis I say I know in whom I have believed And I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Hear me, problem. Hear me, circumstance. Go ahead and hear me, devil. I have placed my life in God's control. And my first step of faith is, I don't know how it's going to turn out. But he does. And I am not going to change living for him. No matter what happens here. When we read the book of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we see at the end of it those people who never saw their situation changed. They didn't see themselves delivered. Instead, they had to deal with lions and they had to deal with the persecution. But they hold, held on to God. Why? Because we have something better. We have something better. Those folks didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't have that, the great thing that we have. And yet they said, I'm going to hold on to God because my trust in Him and my faith in Him is more than if He answers my circumstance in the moment. And So when you read this book of Esther and you go through it, I hope I've left you with some things. I'll just kind of go back through them a little bit. First I had here, I had serve God or leave God. When all these folks came into the land and they said... We've been conquered. You still have to make a decision. Have I truly been conquered? Or do I still serve God over all of this when I don't have all the blessings as I would imagine it? Am I gonna get down in the mouth and (laughs) be angry with God? Or am I gonna look into my situation and say, God is still here and I'm gonna praise him in my moment? You know what you can say when you were the three Hebrew children? And you're there, and you're like, you could say, well, how did we end up in the King's house? So well, I'm in the King's house, but yeah, but how am I here? And and if I don't do it right, or 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 you could say, it'd be Esther, and be like, well, well, how, how how did I get here? If he doesn't select me, then I'm shoved over in this house. Why why did I ever listen to Mordecai? Or you can say, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and do the right thing. You can say, go, I'm gonna go ahead like the three Hebrew children, and I'm not gonna bow. I'm not gonna eat that meat. So am I gonna serve God or leave God? when things aren't great. What's the next thing I brought out here about Esther? Your family tree. All those that went before. You know what you got to be thankful for that person in your family that went ahead, they didn't do anything right at all. They were Shimei, they cursed at David, they threw the stones. And yet his life was preserved. And because his life was preserved, somebody later in his lineage was there to save the Jewish people. You can either be like your family or you can say, today I'm making a stand. It's the other point. I will not bow like Mordecai. I will not bow. I am not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise. And then the last thing here is the first step of faith. And the first step of faith is to go ahead and step into the situation. It's to go because coming to God is saying, okay, here's the problem. I don't know what it's like right now. I see Peter. Man, that water's troubled. But that's where we need to go. And so you step out. I don't understand it all, and I don't get it. But you will never be able to ask God to help you with your problem. Um, You will never be able to come to Him with your situation if you're first not willing to come, to approach. And approaching is more than just saying the words, help me God, it's saying, it's making up your mind, I'm going to face the problem. I'm going to face the situation. You might be dealing with somebody in your life and they're evil towards you. And you're like, what? you know what, I think I just want to quit that job today. But if you're asking God to help you with that problem, not showing up to work doesn't give him an opportunity to work the problem. If you're asking God to help you pay the bill for your house, vacating your home and leaving all your goods in it, <laughs> didn't never really give him a chance ...to help pay the house bill. If you said, even better, right? Wow, I am so depressed, I can't even pay any of my bills... ...so I'm not going to go to work today. That's not going to work. You are not stepping out there and giving God... ...any sort of opportunity to deliver you from the situation. But when Esther said, okay, I'm going to approach the king... ...God said, hey, you know what? (laughs) Watch what happens. Right in the middle of everything... They're going to run in and they're going, tell, they're going to tell Haman in front of Xerxes that the gallows are ready for Mordecai, who he just realized had saved his life. How beautiful is that? Haman's, Xerxes is like, wait, what's going on here? And why are you doing this to my wife? And, and Gallows? What are their gallows for? You know, God had a great way of working that out. But Mordecai and Esther didn't know any of it was going to work out that way when they made their decision. So if we could stand to our feet. I just want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Because even when you feel like you don't have faith, going ahead and living for God and facing the situation is the very first step of faith. And then when you bring that problem to him, and you say, okay, God, you got this, you're going to find that he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. God, you see this church tonight. Encourage them, Lord. Build them up. Help them to keep living for you. Lord, help them, oh God, to to not let the past mistakes of either their own or their family or their lineage, Lord. Keep them, Lord, from being everything you've called them to be. Help them, O oh God, to, to not give in or give up or to see how, how, how its life is unfair, but to make a decision to keep serving You. Help them, God, to take that step in life and to live for You. And God, I also ask You tonight, help us to not stay silent. Help us to not stay silent, but help us to live for You no matter the situation or the circumstance. Help us, oh God, in a world that's corrupt, to not be turned aside by what others would think of us, but to live for you in the face of of adversity and accusations and trouble, and when it seems like there's no hope and no possibility, to go ahead and to take a stand, because God, we know when we take a step, that you are going to be there. I love you, Jesus. And I worship you. And I praise you. And I give you all the glory and all the honor. And I give it to you for all the things that I'm going to go through that I don't understand. But I know that you're already there. And you're going to be there when I get there. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you glory. God bless you. We'll see you again this coming Sunday. And uh, remember the hayride and and let Sister Linda know um, if you are going to attend that. And she can give you more information. God bless you.